Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Gospel Saving Church. On this beautiful Sunday morning, Resurrection Sunday. We got to we got we got to be thankful to God for what He did for us almost two thousand years ago, and uh, you know I just let's pray and then we'll get started. Thank you so much, Lord, for this beautiful day and for this day that you conquered death and you rose from the dead early this morning to defeat death and conquer sin. Thank you so much for your love for us and for your compassion for us that even in that single act, I was just telling a brother on Friday night, Lord God, God's, it's an action. Love is an action, Lord, and you showed the greatest action ever for scarcely would a man die for a good man? But who would ever think of dying for a wicked sinner like you did for us? <clears throat> but Lord, that's what you did. You proved your love to us by dying that brutal death on the cross. There's no words I can't even say, Lord. What that means to me is just, it's just so powerful. So Lord, all we can do is thank you with our lives. Lord, we can't pay for what you did for us, but we could be thankful for what you did for us and, and serve you to the day we die, Lord. I pray, Lord, that anybody listens to this, Lord, forever, whenever, now, would decide to do that, Lord. Please speak to us by your Holy Spirit today, Lord God. Speak to every single one of us in our hearts and our minds, Lord. And teach us today, Lord. Teach us. And use me, Lord God, to present the stuff that you've taught me, Lord, in this week to your children, Lord, to people out there, Lord, who'll be listening. I pray they wouldn't be just hearers of what they hear today. I pray they'd be doers. Being obedient. I love you and praise you, God. Keep distractions out. Keep Satan out of this place. And keep our minds clear so we can hear. And hear you especially. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So welcome to our special... Resurrection Day service. The name of the service today is the Resurrection of Jesus Christ. The Resurrection of Jesus Christ. We're going to be in 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 19. If you guys want to talk there or go there. Well, I have a little something to say about kind of the whole everything we have that's going on today and what's going on. As I prayed for this message, trying to figure out what the Lord wanted me to teach about this week, the Lord showed me pretty quickly three distinct things that you know, he showed me as far as this service is concerned. Number one, I had a blank page to work with for today. You see, normally at Gospel Saving Church... The Lord has led me to teach expositionally, is what they say. Not topically, but expositionally. That means we go verse by verse, line by line, chapter by chapter, book by book, through the Bible. I don't skip around. I go verse by verse, chapter by chapter, all the way through one whole entire book. Like right now we're in Matthew, and God knows whatever book we'll be in next. But we go verse by verse through a whole book. So I don't do topically. So 
What I mean by that is, normally I'll pray for what God has for me in the message. I'll pray, Lord, please, you know, teach me what you want me to say. Because, you know, I don't know what you want me to teach. There's, there's multiple ways to, to go from every angle of every scripture in the whole Bible. And the Bible's a, a living book, so it's, it's always, God always has fresh revelation in there for people that are seeking Him. And so it's always, God, what, what do you want me to teach out of your word today? But today, I knew that the Lord had a special teaching because it is such a special day. It's not just any other or every other day of the year. This is Resurrection Sunday. The day that, whether it was on this day or on another's, it was on a Sunday morning, early in the morning on the first day of the week, the, the disciples and the Mary, Mary and all them went to the tomb and found the tomb empty. So we know it was on the first day of the week, which would have been Sunday, and that was this morning here. And so we take this day to celebrate that beautiful occasion of what happened almost 2,000 years ago. Normally right now this week we would have been in Matthew 7, 7 through 12, and that would have been the next scripture that we would have been talking about. But, again, we weren't there. Today's a special day. So, 100% of the time it's a no-brainer. I would have just kept on going. But today, special day. Which leads me to my next topic. Second thing he showed me was to change the original title that I had for today's sermon. Initially on, end of last week, I had just slapped the word doc together real quick to help me to remember that today was the day people call Easter Sunday. So I titled my Word doc in my Windows 7 Easter service. This is what I titled it. It's a no-brainer. I just, you know, I wanted to remind myself that I wasn't going to be doing a normal teaching, so I threw it on there. Well, that's the second thing that the Lord right away had me change was Easter service. Because that's just because people call it that doesn't mean that it's called really Easter service. Amen. So why did God remind me to change from Easter service? Well, there's a little history behind Easter. Here's a little history. Easter was not always a Christian holiday. The term Easter evolved from the name of an ancient Germanic goddess named Istore. Saint Bebe wrote that Istore was a Germanic goddess of spring and fertility. The goddess was said to bring the warm weather every year, and so she was celebrated on the spring equinox. The bunny and the eggs have a close connection with the goddess as well. Istore was the god of fertility. Her animal was the hare, like a rabbit. And her symbol was the egg. The hare was the animal of this goddess because of how many offspring that rabbits and hares can have. Hence, being the goddess of fertility, Hares, rabbits, you know, what do we say? They mate like rabbits. Their people have a lot of babies. It's, that's, what the, that's what people say because rabbits have an excessive amount of children. So like rabbits, hares have a lot of babies. Now the reason the egg was the symbol for the goddess was because it was the symbol of rebirth. As the year is given new birth when it goes from the dead of winter to the life of spring. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm thankful for our early Christian forefathers, because what they did was they were not happy with that ancient goddess worship. 
So they transformed, they converted the ancient holiday for Istore to what people call today Easter because they had guts, unlike very few people have today. And they celebrated the resurrection of Jesus Christ as we're doing today. I'm not celebrating Easter. I'm not celebrating a rabbit. And I'm not celebrating eggs. I'm celebrating the resurrection of the one true living God. The end. Um, I'm not going to call this day Easter because in general it was named after a false pagan goddess. And I just refuse to do so. And no way, no how. Anyway, enough of that history about this false goddess. Uh, but that is why God kind of checked me. Hey, rename the service. Please, rename the service. So, Christ rose from the dead right about 2,000 years ago, and we're going to celebrate him. I just can't say that enough. I just can't say that enough. The resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. That means that he's still alive. He's not dead like Muhammad or like Buddha. They're dead. They lived a life. Their time came, they died, and they're still buried to this day. Jesus Christ lived a life. He died, but then he rose again. And the only man to ever do so that's ever been ever recorded ever in the history of mankind. So remember again, it's leading into the third point. Remember again that I was praying about this message because there are all kinds of there are all and here's why. There are all kinds of biblical texts all throughout the New Testament that talk about the resurrection. So now here I had that blank page. Okay, well, there's multiple, three, four, five, six, seven different passages you could take sections of Scripture that I could choose to talk about the resurrection. But I could just pick them all and just run them through all of them, but what does God want? And see, that's what you're going to get here when you come here. You'll always get what God wants me to talk about because I never know what to talk about when I'm going to go into a Sunday morning. I never know what to talk about. The Scripture's there. But that doesn't mean I just take upon myself and just teach whatever. I want to teach what God wants me to teach you. I want God to show me and then to work through me and then to tell me and then let's learn together even because I learn all week usually about things and then I come in here on Sunday morning and I teach them to you. So the third thing that the Lord showed me pretty quickly was he laid on my heart this verse, a version of it. And the verse is, if... In this life, only we have hope in Christ. We are of all men the most pitiable and foolish, or foolish, because some versions say foolish, some versions say pitiable. It's the same thing. And what he's saying there is, if in this life only, while you're living, do you have hope, which is good, and it's good that we can have hope in this life that we live today that God will be with us and he'll help us through each and every day. That's awesome. But if that was it, and then when we died, we just either A, ceased to exist, or B, we all went to hell, why even have hope now? But Paul closes the section of scripture we're going to talk about today with that verse. I didn't even know where it was located when I first when God first laid it on my heart, but I did some research real quick and I started reading and I, I came to 1 Corinthians 15. And as I was reading 1, chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3, chapter 4, as I was reading through the whole entire section, the whole entire tap, chapter, the Lord said, green light, 
That's the one I want you to talk about today. Green light. That's the one. And I said, hallelujah. All right. Let's do it. This beautiful resurrection day has proof. It's not just it's not just a day that some crazy crackpots came up with thousands of years ago. It has proof. Yeah. And Paul talks about that proof in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, where he's talking about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I just can't say it enough. I just can't say it enough. Hallelujah. Amen. 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 <laughs> so if you haven't gone there already, go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and we're going to cover most of the chapter. Let's read it. He says, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Okay. Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received and in which you stand. By which also you are saved, if you hold fast that word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you first of all, I, I delivered to you first of all, which also I received, that Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures. And he was buried, and that he rose again the third day, according to the Scriptures. And that he was seen by Cephas, then by the twelve, after that, he was seen by over 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain to the present, but some have fallen asleep. After that, he was seen by James, then by all the apostles, and last of all, he was seen by me also, as one born out of due time. For I am the least of the apostles, who am not worthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. Therefore, whether it was I or they, so we preached, and so you believed. Here's our verse. Here's our section kind of that the Lord showed me. Now if Christ has preached that he has been raised from the dead, how do some among you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty, and your faith is empty. Yes, and we are found false witnesses of God, because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he did not raise up, if in fact the dead do not rise. For if the dead do not rise, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, your faith is, you could say foolish, futile and you are still in your sins then also those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished if in this life only we have hope in Christ we are of all men the most pitiable that's our verse start at verse 1 again and we're going to go through it verse by verse like I normally do anyway 15.1 Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received, and in which you stand. What is he saying? We begin our walk with God. We begin our life with God by 
the gospel. The Bible tells us that it is by grace that you are saved through faith. What grace is the Bible talking about? The grace of God's great gift handed down and what he did for us called the gospel. We live and we die by the gospel and by the gospel alone. Because it goes, that other verse goes on to say, it is not of works, least any man should boast. So it's not of a good work or any good righteous thing anybody could do, but of God's grace, and you're putting all, or entrusting yourself, or putting all your trust in what God did for you and responding to what he did for you. Verse 2. By which also you are saved. If you hold fast that word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. When you have the word if in a verse, if you hold fast, that means there's a possibility that you won't hold fast. If you hold fast is contingent on one thing and one thing only. If we continue to put our faith and trust and our lives in God's hands in what God did with, did for us. If we continue in the faith. If we continue. Unless you stand with Christ daily. Daily. Moment by moment. Hour by hour. Day by day. You will fall away. Because if... You don't endure to the end. The Bible says you won't be saved. Actually, the Bible says if you endure to the end, you shall be saved. So in turn, we reverse it because almost the whole Bible we can reverse. So if you don't continue in the faith, you won't be saved. And that's all what Paul is telling us here in verse 2. Verse 3. For I delivered to you first of all that which I also received. So notice, Paul received it. That Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. So now, special note here. There was no New Testament when Paul wrote 1 Corinthians. There was only what the Jews call a Tanakh, or what we call to this day the Old Testament. So Paul, when he says, according to the scriptures, he was not talking about according to the New Testament scriptures. He was talking about the Tanakh, or the Jewish Bible, or what Christians call the Old Testament. So what scripture really talked about Christ dying for our sin? Because he said, according to the scriptures. Remember I told you in the very beginning that Paul gave us in this section... A lot of proof for what God did for us. Paul is referring to the prophecy that God gave to Isaiah in chapter 53. So if you guys want to go to the Isaiah chapter 53, we'll read it. If you don't want to, you don't have to. I'm going to read it for you. So Isaiah chapter 53. 
Because he said, after all, and so if somebody says something, we should be able to take what they say. If somebody says something that makes a claim, we should be able to go and investigate their claim. See? And that's what Paul was doing here. Anybody that would have been interested in this church of Corinth that he was really writing this letter to could have easily looked up exactly what he had to say here if they were interested in seeking what he had to say in the truth. So in Isaiah chapter 53, in verses 7 and 8, we read about the prophecy that Paul talked about where we talk about according to the scripture. And in 7, Isaiah 53, 7, the Bible says, He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth, he was led as the lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment, and who will declare his generation? For he was cut off from the land of the living for the transgressions of my people. He was stricken. Transgression, iniquity, they're all just fancy Old Testament words for sin. So, Paul says, For I delivered you, first of all, which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. So that means we should be able to go find exactly what Paul said here. Isaiah 53, the whole chapter, is talking about God's special servant, Messiah, that God talks about. And that 7 and 8 is what the first part of our gospel, that Christ died for our sins, according to those scriptures. So chapter 4 of our scripture today, 1 Corinthians 15, 4. It's only one verse, don't go back there, because we're going to stay in Isaiah, so you might want to stay there. Verse 4 says, And that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day, according to the scriptures. Well, there we have it again. We have that according to the scriptures. So again, we can say, whoa, okay, well, then we should be able to find that. Well, then we go to Isaiah 53 again, but we just move down one more verse to verse 9. Go 9 through 12, because it's all right there. God gave Isaiah all this whole vision. Six to eight hundred years, by the way, before Christ lived, Isaiah got this prophecy, this vision. Before Christ was ever born, God gave Isaiah the vision of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Isaiah 53, 9-12. Only 600 years before. That, that, I guess that was just a coincidence. Not. So verse 9. And they made his grave with the wicked. Remember that he was crucified with two other sinners that were on his right hand and his left hand. But with the rich... At his death. So Christ was also buried in a tomb, as we had mentioned here before we started service. He was buried in a tomb. Only people that had wealth got a tomb. The normal poor beggar, which Jesus was a fisherman, or excuse me, Jesus was a carpenter, and the last three and a half years of his life he was homeless. So Jesus wouldn't have been rich. Jesus was homeless. God was his provider, but he wasn't living in a mansion in Beverly Hills. So, but he was at the rich with his death. Because he had done no violence, the Bible says, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. 
and he has put him to grief when you make his soul an offering for sin. He shall see his seed. Here's where it comes into he was buried. Then he rose again. Notice the rising of the again. If he just made his soul an offering for sin and he was just cut off from the land of the living, cut off from the land of the living means he died. He died. When you make his soul an offering for sin, that's death. So he died there. That's 7, 8, and really 9. And then that was burials in verse 9. Look at the second half of verse 9. He shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days. Wait a minute. Didn't we just read that he died? But now Isaiah says, his, talking about God, he, he shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days. And the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see the labor of his soul. Well, I don't know about you, but when I'm dead, I'm not going to be seeing anything else on this earth. I'm dead. And when you die, your eyes close and your heart stops beating and your, your chest stops moving and you go into the ground. And if anything, even if they bury you accidentally, the last thing you're going to see is that lid closing on the casket. And then all here and all the earth pouring on top of you, and then your air is going to run out, and that'll be the last thing you see. But you're certainly not going to see the labor of your soul. And you're certainly not going to see his days being prolonged because you're dead. You're in a coffin. Well, in Jesus' case, he was in a tomb. Go to 11 again. He shall see the labor of soul and be satisfied. And then, now, so. Okay, wow, so that's pretty amazing news because that's his death, burial, and resurrection. But then he goes into saying, by his knowledge, my righteous servant, there's that word again, my righteous servant shall justify many. For he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore I will divide them a portion with the great and he shall divide the spoil with the strong. There it talks about him doing something again. That sounds like he's alive again. Oh, amen. Because he poured out his soul into death. Wait a minute, what? There's the death burial, and resurrection, according to the Scriptures. And he ends off and he says, He was numbered with the transgressors, and he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressions. And actually, we actually have a Scripture about the rising on the third day. Believe it or not, we actually have a Scripture about the rising on the third day. We go to Psalm 16, 9 through 11, for the rising on the third day. The scripture doesn't say that it was the third day, doesn't give the name of the day, but it gives us a very special clue that we can look at to see that it was the third day. Okay? And we actually can tell from the New Testament that it was the third day. So go to Psalm 16 and go to verse 9. And this is a messianic psalm. And it says in verse 9, Therefore my heart is glad and my glory rejoices. My flesh also will rest in hope. For, so why, why can my soul do that? For, you will not leave my soul in Sheol, nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. You will show me the path of life, and your presence is fullness and joy, and your right hand and pleasures are forevermore. So when the, the psalmist is seeing this 
Holy One of God. And he says, you will not leave my soul in Sheol. You will not leave his soul in Sheol. You will not let this person see corruption. You think, well, that doesn't say third day. That doesn't say that Jesus is going to raise on the third day. But, but you're right. But you see, according to MedicFordHealth.com, the body will start to putrefy after the second day, depending on the weather temperature. The colder it is, the longer it will be before the body goes into its putrefication process where it starts smelling and starts fully decomposing. That's after the second day. Just so happens to JerusalemInsidersGuide.com, springtime in Israel is beautiful and cool, but not too cold, but the nights are cold and they advise you because it's travel. It's a travel website. They advise you to dress warm for the nights in Israel. So remember I said that the body's preservation depends upon the coolness of the weather. Well, cool preserves. And it was cool and cold at night in Israel. And Jesus rose on the third day. So we have the fulfillment of Psalm 16 where it says that you will not leave my soul in Sheol and my flesh, my body, will not see corruption. So Christ rose before his flesh started to be corrupted. And there we have, according to the scriptures. Hallelujah. So in those, few, in those few verses, we have the pure gospel. Christ dies for your sins. He rose again from the dead to defeat death. We have the pure gospel. We have what he did for us. And I gave you the origins of the scriptures that Paul wrote about, according to the scriptures, by quoting those prophecies that Christ fulfilled and for what he did you know, on earth to bring salvation to mankind. Now Paul goes into more of what you call an apologetic side when we move into the resurrection. Paul is proving the resurrection to the church, the Christians that are at the church of Corinth. But unknowingly, he also proves it to us by the things that he says in verse 5. Now, if in case I'm sorry I left this part out. Apologetics, in case anybody doesn't know, is what they call the defense of the Christian faith. And Paul is giving apologetics here in verse 5 of 1 Corinthians 15. And we won't go anywhere else for scripture today. So you can fully go back to 1 Corinthians 15 and we'll be there for the rest of our time out. So he moves into an apologetic twist for the last grouping of this section that we're going to read. So he declares in verse 5. So Okay, so he did that. I'm telling you that he did that. And then you may be saying, people there may have been saying, well, wait, how do we know? How do we know? How can I take confidence that he did that? Because after all, if it's just you, Paul, telling me that Christ did that, how can I believe just you? Just one man. You're just... One man, Paul, how do we know that what you said is true? So he goes in verse 5, and he says, And that he was seen by Cephas. That's another man that can be accountable. Then by all the twelve. Well, that's all twelve people that could be accountable. Verse 6, After that he was seen by over five hundred brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain to the present. But some have fallen asleep. After that he was seen by James, then by all the apostles. Then last of all he was seen by me also as one born 
out of due time. So stop there. So here's what Paul did. He said, you don't just have to take my word for the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You can go ask all these other people what happened. And he also he throws in there, in the verse 6, he said, but some have fallen asleep. Paul didn't want to deceive anybody. So what he said was, is out of all the people that saw Christ raised from the dead, and they saw his resurrection, the majority of them you can still go get an interview with. Hey man, hey John, hey Joe, hey Bob, can you tell me what you saw? Oh man, it was amazing. We were a huge group of people. We're gathered together, 500 of us, and, and all of a sudden Christ just showed up. So now, what he was doing here is, notice he named off names. Names of people. That's also another clue. Oh yeah, uh, so and so, uh, yeah, they, they, yeah, they heard it, yeah, yeah, go talk to them. Well, that's, who's them? But Paul gives names. And when you give names, people infected as they in crimes, they don't want to be named. Because when you give a name, that means they're accountable and that means they have to testify when you give their name. Well, but Paul wanted anybody that would to be able to go back and ask the people that saw, so that the people who saw would be able to testify. Yes, this is what we saw. So Paul gives a huge proof here of the resurrection, not just from his perspective, but from all the people that saw it which would be over 500 people, saw him, saw the resurrected Jesus Christ. That is awesome. That is awesome. So verse 9, For I am the least of the apostles, who am not worthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. Paul's given his history. But by the grace of God I am what I am, and by and his grace toward me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than all of the apostles, he was saying right here. Yet not I, but the grace of God which was in me. The Bible says that when you're forgiven much, you're thankful much. And Paul was an evil dude. Although he was religious, he was very evil. So what he's saying here is yet another proof that we can see. Because guess what? He's saying that I was against this Jesus Christ in the beginning. I was against it. I was against this movement of this so-called Christianity. But what he's saying is, but I turned, I changed. I was against, now I'm for. That's a proof. One man that's against doesn't hardly ever really turn back or turn to something that he's against. He stays against it for good. He doesn't turn to it unless something shows him. And wow, he turns. Verse 11. Therefore, whether it was I or they, so we preached and so you believed. So, again, as I say, and I bring this up again, because we get an answer here in verse 12. Why was Paul led to give a defense of the gospel? Why was Paul led to give a defense of the resurrection? 
Verse 12 tells us. Look at verse 12. Now if Christ is preached that he has been risen from the dead, how do some among you say that there is no resurrection from the dead? So people in this church were not believing in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And then he says in 13, but if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. And why did Paul bring up such powerful proofs to these Christians at Corinth and unknowingly to us as well? Because he adds. Because really, look at it. Why is the resurrection so important? Why is this day we celebrate so important? Because if Christ wouldn't arose again, read verse 14. And if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty, and your faith is also empty. Yes, and we are false witnesses of God, because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he did not raise up, because you know if he didn't, they're false. If in fact the dead do not rise. For if the dead do not rise, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile. And if he was just another man, and if he didn't raise from the dead, he would have never defeated sin and death. He'd still be in the grave to this day, like every other man that's ever died on this planet is still in their grave. Or they're, they're not together anymore, even if their graves have been exhumed. And he ends with, you are still in your sins. And then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ, they've perished. So if Christ never raised from the dead, why even be here? Our faith would be empty. He never would have defeated death. He never would have took all the sin on him because if he wouldn't have resurrected, then that means he would have just been another man being crucified. And it would have meant that he wouldn't have taken all the sins upon himself on the cross. And he would just be another man that died. That's why the resurrection is so important. That's why today is so important that we celebrate this day in remembrance of what he did. Because if we were all still still in our sins, what point is there to try to live righteous at all? What point is there to even try to be any kind of morally good at all? In verse 19, he says it. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most pitiable. It's a hard thing to live a Christian life. Jesus said, those that desire to come up after me must deny themselves, pick up their crosses, and follow after me. Why would we want to do that if he's a fraud? Why would we want to do that if he didn't take our sins? Why would we want to do that? What would he want? So what? To, to be religious? 
to abstain from the immoral things of the world which the flesh really enjoys? If he was a fraud, live it up! Because today we eat and drink and tomorrow we die. Why deny self? For what? 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 what what does it gain me? When I die, I get buried in the grave. I used to be an atheist. Didn't believe in God at all. I believe that when I died, I, they dug a hole in the ground, you put me in the ground, and I was buried. And that was it. There's no hope. Nothing. You're dead. You cease to be. Why not live it up? And so Paul in verse 19 is saying, I know it's hard to be a Christian. I know it's hard to deny self. I know it's hard to live a life abstained from sin. I know it's hard. But, hey, wait, hey, don't stop there. Wait, 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 wait. There's hope of forever after that. Amen. When you die, you aren't just put in the ground and that's it. You're not just dead. You don't just go to hell. You don't just cease to exist. There's an after, folks. Yes. There's an after. There's something to look forward to. And I can relate to that, and everybody, almost everybody in here can. When you know when you're at a long day of work and it's hot and you're tired and you're wore out and the boss man's been driving you like a slave. What are you looking forward to? I'm looking forward to getting off. I'm looking forward to getting off and grabbing a cold iced tea or a cold Pepsi at the at the 7-Eleven down the street. I'm looking at the time when I can get home and sit on my couch and watch TV and kick back a little bit because I've been sweating all day. I'm looking forward to getting in the shower when I get done. In the same like manner with life everlasting, with eternal life, if we believed in Christ and He was a fraud and He didn't do what He said He did and the Scriptures lied and the prophecy wasn't there, don't live for religion at all. Don't abstain from anything. But if it's true, that means that when you take your last breath on this earth, it's not the last breath you're going to take. It's not the last thing you're going to see. Because when you die, there's an opportunity to go from this life to the next. Now, which one are we going to? Which life are we headed for? Because the Bible talks about two different paths when you die. One is a pathway to heaven. One is a pathway to eternity with God forever. Another one is a pathway to destruction. I don't whether I don't care about what Jesus did for me or uh, I don't care what what he did or uh, you know what I really don't care I want to live my life or whether I don't believe in him those are all paths to destruction and the real cool thing about God is he left us all these clues in the Bible in chapters like 1 Corinthians chapter 15 so that if anybody were to desire to look if anybody even had a question and said, was that real? Was that really real? What proof is there? Just in this one chapter alone, we dug just a little bit today. There's so much more. 
but God really had on my heart today, prove, prove what I did. Prove, show them that we're not talking about an Easter bunny with some stupid colorful eggs, hunting for some colorful egg. Show them that there's proof. Show them that what I did was real. Yes. And you can back it up. It's not just some fraud. It's not just some fairy tale. And it's certainly not some bunny laying some eggs. Because he did, Christ did what no one else has ever done or will ever do. Christ died for the sins of the world. He took all of your and my and all the world's sins on His shoulders, on His back, on Himself, on the cross almost 2,000 years ago. And He did this because like I said in the beginning, He loves you. And He loves me. And He didn't just say, I love you. He proved to you His love by going out of His way, stepping down from eternity. He was in heaven, in eternity, in perfection with God and the Holy Spirit, all three more together, and everything was great and everything was perfect. But God said, I got a problem because these people are lost and I want to save them. And God knew because Jesus said in the Garden of Gethsemane when he was praying to God, Father, if there be any other way, let this cup pass from me. What he was saying is, if there's any other way for mankind to attain salvation, for mankind to attain eternal life, I don't want to do what I'm going to have to do. Let's do it another way, Lord. Father, please, let's do it another way because it's going to hurt. But he says, nevertheless, not my will, but let your will be done. And we all know history. He went to the cross. And he died a brutal death. And he went into the ground, into a tomb, and was buried. And then in three days later, as we have here, as we have in the Old Testament, he rose from the dead. So I ask you, all the proof is there. Eyewitness accounts, ancient prophetical scriptures that talk about God's righteous servant, which is Christ, and what he was going to do for mankind. God gave that to prophet Isaiah 600 to 800 years before Christ was born. We've got all that. We know it all. We can research it. There's ancient biblical texts before Christians were ever born. Isaiah was a, was a, a scroll found a hundred years, or it was found to be dated at a hundred years before Christ ever ever, or hundred years before yes, hundred years before Christ was ever born. And the Dead Sea Scrolls, we have the Great Isaiah Scroll, and that was found before any Christian was ever alive. There was the Dead Sea Scrolls found that were dated 100 BC. So we have all this proof. What do we do with what we know? What does this indisputable death, burial, and resurrection of Christ Jesus mean to you? What does it mean to you? Do you live like you believe it? Or don't you live that you could or do you live that you like you don't believe it? Wisdom or knowledge that's not applied is 
foolishness. And here's another one. Someone that has knowledge but doesn't live in its reality is a fool. The wisdom that we get, the wisdom that we have, the wisdom, the proofs that we just talked about, they do you or me no good if we do not live in them, if we do not embrace them daily. And I am guilty in the past of being in a bad mood. And then God will speak to my heart, Ed, why are you in a bad mood? Am I real? Do I exist? Am I there for you? In a sense, he was asking me about like this scripture here today. Didn't I do all? Didn't I take care of everything? What do you? What could be so bad that you could be in such a bad mood if I'm your reality? And if what I did for you was a reality, how could we ever? How could you ever be depressed ever again? How could I ever be depressed ever again? Do you live your life as if you believe this historical and prophetical truth about Christ and what He did for you? Do you live that way? Because if that's the truth, and you live for that, and you respond to that on a daily basis, and you live in that, then guess what? Your sins are forgiven you. Your sins are forgiven you. And not only can you have peace when you walk with God, because why wouldn't you have peace if your sins were forgiven you? Amen. That is peace, yes. folks. But if you don't live in that, and you don't respond to this knowledge that we have here, this provable knowledge that we have here, then you're still in your sins. And like Paul said about the Christian faith, that you would be most pitiable or most foolish, you then, if you're not responding to this truths, these truths about Christ Jesus, you then are most pitiable, you then are most foolish, because it's out there for everybody to take. It's out there for everybody to respond to. It's out there for anybody that would seek. It's out there for them. And if you take your time out of your busy lives and go examine these things we talked about today and many, 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 many more, you'll find awesome things. But the root of it all is somebody gives you a gift and you don't receive it. It's not yours. You've got to receive what Christ did for you and then live in that knowledge of what He did for you. Meaning, you got to respond with lives surrendered unto. Because that's what God wants. God wants your life surrendered unto Him because you put your faith and trust in what He did for you. This provable, historical, and prophetical thing that we, re that we read about today. The resurrection of Jesus Christ. Put your faith in Him today. Put your faith in Him today. Turn today from whatever you're doing. Turn today from whatever you're living for.
If you're not living in the reality of Christ, and turn to Him. And give me your life. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for what we read today. Thank you for the proof and the truths that we read about today. Thank you that we can prove your word. Thank you that we can prove the resurrection, Lord. There's so much more that I could have talked about, but Lord, we've got to end there. If anybody wants to know more, Lord God, they can always call me. Lord, and you know you had me put my number on the website, Lord, so it's out there. So, Lord, I just pray that you would draw any more seekers, any seekers out there to ask me more questions about this, Lord. That we could talk more, so much more in depth. But for right now, Lord God, that it's there. It's the teaser. It's out there. And I pray that we, if we're yours, like me, I pray we would respond and remember the great sacrifice that you did for us, the great sacrifice that you made for us, and that we would remember that our sins are forgiven. And Lord, any that are not living in that, living in that reality, any that are not surrendered unto, I pray, God, that you would reach out to them and that they would seek for more, and they would start seeking for more, and then, Lord, your word says, if you seek, you shall find. And I pray that they would seek so that they shall find. Please save them. I bless the hearer, Lord, and I pray again we wouldn't be just hearers, but we'd be doers of what we heard today. Bless the rest of your day, Lord God, and thank you so much, Jesus, for dying on the cross being buried in the tomb, and raising again the third day that we could celebrate and have a party about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We love you, Lord, and we praise you, dear God. In Jesus' name, amen.